Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 15 of Revelation chapter 16, and we're going to be reading Revelation 16, verses 12 and 13. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, now the mouth of the false prophet. Actually, I'm going to read verse 14 also. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And last time we were looking at verse 12, and we saw that the great river Euphrates represents Babylon, and the drying up of the water points to the drying up of the gospel water all over the world because Babylon is a type and a figure of the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of this world that that Satan ruled over since the Garden of Eden. And God dried up the water of Babylon. Now, just to confirm this, that we're correct in our understanding, let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 50, Jeremiah 50, which is a chapter that goes into detail concerning the fall of Babylon and God's judgment upon it. In Jeremiah 50, verse 35, it says, A sword is upon the Chaldeans, saith Jehovah, and upon the inhabitants of Babylon, and upon her princes, and upon her wise men. A sword is upon the liars, and they shall dote. A sword is upon her mighty men. And they shall be dismayed. A sword is upon their horses and upon their chariots and upon all the mingled people that are in the midst of her. And they shall become as women. A sword is upon her treasures and they shall be robbed. A drought is upon her waters and they shall be dried up. For it is the land of graven images and they are mad upon their idols. Therefore the wild beasts of the desert with the wild beasts of the island shall dwell there. And the owl shall dwell therein, and shall be no more inhabited forever. Neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and the neighbor cities thereof, saith Jehovah, so shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. Now there's a couple of interesting things here where God says a drought is upon her waters and they shall be dried up. That agrees with what we're reading in Revelation sixteen twelve, that the great river Euphrates is dried up. But notice that in that context, verse 39 says, therefore, that is because of the drought upon her waters and because they are dried up, the wild beasts of the desert with the wild beasts of the island shall dwell there, and the owls shall dwell therein, and it will be no more inhabited. And, and then God compares it to the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah 
and no man abide there, neither any son of man dwell therein. And that is language to let us know that the Spirit of God has left. That Spirit of God that saves sinners has departed out of the world and it has left it a dry place only fit for wild beasts of the desert and wild beasts of the islands and owls. And notice in Jeremiah 51, the next chapter, as God continues the in-depth and detailed discussion of his judgment on Babylon, which uh, represents this world, he says in Jeremiah 51, beginning in verse 35, The violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon, shall the inhabitant of Zion say, and my blood upon the inhabitants of Chaldea, shall Jerusalem say. Therefore, thus saith Jehovah, Behold, I will plead thy cause, and take vengeance for thee, and I will dry up her sea, and make her springs dry. That is, because Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar came against Judah, and that spiritually pictures Satan and his emissaries coming against the church. Because of that, God will plead the cause of his people and take vengeance against Babylon or Satan and his kingdom of this world. And what will that act of vengeance consist of? I will dry up her sea and make her springs dry. And then in verse 37 of Jeremiah 51, it says, And Babylon shall become heaps, a dwelling place for dragons, an astonishment and a hissing without an inhabitant. And again, when we find that language, without an inhabitant, it the inhabitant in view is eternal God. It is as though Babylon is without the presence of God. Of course, God is always everywhere, but insofar as God is working and and blessing people to save, well, he is not there. And, and this matches Isaiah 13's language. Remember that chapter that starts out uh, in verse 1, speaking of the burden of Babylon, and then it doesn't take long before God is speaking of the day of Jehovah in verse 9. The stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened and is going forth. And the moon shall not cause her light to shine in verse 10, which would match Matthew twenty four twenty nine, And then verse 11, And I will punish the world for their evil. So God is referring to the burden of Babylon. He quickly uh, speaks of judgment of the whole world because that's what Babylon represents. And and then after making that kind of shift, he he transitions back to Babylon towards the end of the chapter in verse 19 of Isaiah chapter 13. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelled in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there, 
But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there, and the wild beasts of the island shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant palaces, and her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. That is, remember what we read in uh, Jeremiah 50, 35 through 40, that when God dries up her sea, or when he dries up the water of Babylon, then it will be a wilderness and a place for these wild beasts of the desert and and for owls and so forth. So in Isaiah 13, when God is speaking of the judgment of the world, and, and it's the burden of Babylon, and then he tells us of uh, this language of Babylon as a wilderness, a desolate place where only dragons can dwell, it indicates there's no water. There's no gospel water in all the world. And, and that, of course, fits in with Revelation 18. Uh, which um, Lord willing we'll get to in our Bible study. It's coming soon, uh, since we're in chapter 16. But in Revelation 18, verse 2, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And we've learned when we see that key phrase, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, repeated, it indicates the end of the Great Tribulation, the beginning of the judgment on, on this world, the beginning of judgment on Satan's kingdom of Babylon. And has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And, and this would be bird like owls and, and so forth that we read about. Babylon becomes, um, a dry land, a desolate wilderness, fit only for the wild beasts of the desert and, and for these unclean animals, these unclean birds like the owls. Well, all right, let's go back to Revelation 16. And we can see that when God says that the great river Euphrates had its water dried up, that that relates to Judgment Day on the kingdom of Satan on Babylon and, and uh, the way of the kings of the east might be prepared through that. The way Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can go to heaven except through him it is what the Father has determined. The only way to enter into eternal life into the kingdom of God and live forevermore is through the salvation of Christ. And Christ has made a way through the offering up of himself from the world's foundation for all of his elect and the completion of their salvation will come when they all receive their new resurrected bodies since now at this point, God has saved everyone that was to be saved. Um, that is, everyone 
of God's elect has received the first resurrection of the soul, yet there are the vast majority of them that need to be saved in body, that either they're still living on the earth presently in the day of judgment, or they've uh, lived and died and their, their bodies are in the ground and need to be resurrected. And all that will take place on the last day of earth's existence. And there's a strong likelihood that that day will be October 7th, 2015, which would be 1,600 days from the beginning of judgment that began on May 21, 2011. That would be the 10,000th overall day of judgment, completing the judgment of God upon unsaved mankind. Uh, as it began at the house of God, and and God judged the churches for 8,400 days, and then 1,600 days of judging the world, or Babylon, and then we have a sum total of 10,000, which is a number that uh, is 10 times 10 times 10 times 10. 10 to the fourth power. And the number 4 points to the furthest extent of whatever is in view. And in this case would be the furthest extent of Judgment Day, as well as 1,600 days of judgment on the world is 40 times 40, or 4 times 10 times 4 times 10. In in that number 2, we have the completeness, number 10, and 4 furthest extent, which, uh, as it's part of the number 40, 4 times 10 equals 40, and 4 times 10 equals 40, 40 times 40, it, it, God laid down a law in the book of Deuteronomy, that a judge may not administer uh, to a criminal, to someone being judged, more than 40 stripes, or more than 4 times 10, and, and, and lest he seem vile to thee. This is the law of God, and God is under his own law, and of course that would mean that God could never create a place called hell where he punished sinners endlessly without end that would contradict and break his own law that he established in the book of Deuteronomy concerning that 40 stripes shall not be exceeded. And and God does use the language of administering stripes in the day of judgment in Luke chapter 12. Well, anyway, on um, October 7th, 2015... The furthest extent of Judgment Day, 1600 days, 40 times 40, would be reached. The furthest extent of the overall Judgment of 10,000 days, as it is uh, 10 times 10 times 10 times 10, would be reached. And uh, there are other fours that come into focus as well, as 1600 breaks down to four years, four months, and 16 days, and 16 is 4 times 4. And and someone also mentioned to me, October 7th of 2015 is a Wednesday, which is the fourth day of the week. Sunday's the first day, Monday the second, Tuesday the third, and Wednesday the fourth. So there is an enormous emphasis on the number 4 for that particular day. And that would be the day 
if we're correct, since it's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles and the last day of harvest, that God raises up his people in the resurrection or the rapture, which uh, will happen the same day. They'll all take place on the last day, according to the Bible. In the last day, in John 6.44, God says, I will raise you up at the last day. And so um, it's very likely that God's people, the, the kings of the east, uh, as they're called here, are traversing or or going through this dry wilderness, this desolate place without an inhabitant, without the Son of Man dwelling here to save, going through the day of judgment as across a dry river Euphrates. And, and it is the way that God has planned and predetermined that must come to pass in order for his people to get to the very last day and then um, they have made it through. The trial of faith is complete. The the fiery fire that has been put to them has not burned them up. It has burned up the wood, hay, stubble. But since they were actually gold and silver and precious stone, they have come through purified in a far more glorious condition. And then God takes them into his glorious kingdom and and all that the Bible says about what comes after this world begins to be put into action, into effect. God then shows his people that they had not uh, believed or trusted him in vain. That uh, can, can you imagine the weak and the tired and the afflicted and the troubled of mind and body and the cast down in soul, those that have been so cast down in spirit and, and it is as though we're, we're, um, trudging across this dry riverbed, one foot in front of the other, day by day. It, it's a very, um, difficult path to tread, to travel towards heaven, but it is the way that God has chosen. It is according to his will, and the people of God are uh, definitely weary, definitely um, uh, greatly tried and troubled with the terrible increase of sin in the world, in the church, everywhere around them. And with the law of God just being tossed aside and and disregarded and dismissed and without a concern by this world like never before in history. And, and this is a grievous thing to the people of God. And yet they continue trusting God's word, the Bible, continue looking ahead at, with hope, with this good expectation. Well, this is all being done according to the perfect will of God. And then they do reach that final point and God lifts them up and brings them through. And, and now, uh, what a, what a, um, a medicine, what 
uh, uh, speaking of the balm of Gilead, what a tremendous healing medicine it will be for God to lift the veil of this life, to cast it away once and for all, to destroy this earth, to put it behind us, to cause his people to forget the very memory of it because it's so tainted and corrupted with sin that even the memory uh, would be infected by by sin and 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 God equips his people with new spiritual bodies to match their souls and just as he saved their soul it 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 happened according to the will of God and it was his action well God now performs that action for the body and and here the children of God find themselves in the kingdom of heaven and and in the very fulfillment of all things that God has spoken in his word and and there's there's no more tears no more sorrow no more disease no more death no more problems just all um perfect beauty perfect obedience perfect righteousness and perfect peace and perfect love everything is perfect because God is perfect and he dwells amongst his people and 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 so this is the hope that we have and remember what God says concerning this hope in Hebrews after going through the chapter uh, listing all the people of faith or the people of Christ that have suffered so much for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word and the kingdom of heaven. God concludes this chapter in Hebrews eleven thirty six and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith or through Christ, receive not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And and that's what awaits the child of God, is perfection. God commands perfection here. Be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But we cannot while we have this body. And and yet, the one day soon, God will change our body. And and he, he has sown um, his word in our corruptible bodies, but it will be raised incorruptible. He has sown it in dishonor. He will raise it in honor. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, where God speaks of those two things, of sowing uh, while in this world in our body, and then raising it, a new spiritual body. Well, uh, that that's the language of harvest. And October 7th, 2015, as well as being the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, is the last day of the Feast of Harvest. It would be an excellent day for God 
to bring his people up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, to raise them up, to uh, to gather in the final harvest of ingathering that comes at the end of the year, and to complete all things that he has spoken in his word, as it is that ten thousandth day, a day that points to completeness. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.